0: Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the corruption detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Saturday Night Livestream. Sorry, guys, I bit my tongue yesterday, and it's a little bit more difficult to talk than it normally is. But nonetheless, tonight my guest is a man by the name of Andrew Paquette. He was previously... ...associated with the New York Citizens Audit, and he authored a paper on a, uh, I guess, a, a, not only a leak, a deficiency, a, 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 a breach that was possible in the New York voter rolls. And he published it in a prestigious journal, and we're going to be talking about his findings, we're going to be talking about the state of elections... Obviously, we're going to talk about Andrew as well because I like to get to know my guests. But if you guys wouldn't mind, do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Uh, please help us out by sharing the show. Let me give a big thanks already over there on Pilled.net to Stacks. Also to NX17 who says you're the best, RP. Thank you for your work. Much love. Much love to you as well, brother. Candylicious. Good evening, Patriots. And M1911Zoom. Thank you for the cookie. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Thank you for keeping the chat comfy in the uh off hours and let me just uh, get a 5 by 5 in the chat if you can let me know that all of the streams are working because it looks like maybe Twitter might not be working but that's okay anyways sit back relax grab your popcorn and we're going to be right back after this with Andrew Paquette So if you stop and think about it, the people who sent their New Year's resolutions around health and beauty are really the ones that are helping collagen supplements to grow in popularity. So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS-60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60Evo's lab has been manufacturing this Nobel Prize winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas, Patriot owned lab. ESS-60 is the upgraded version of the carbon 60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and then when you're there, use code redpill78 for an additional 10% off your entire order once again that's c60evo.com forward slash red pill 78 and when you support my sponsors you support this channel all right welcome back everyone thank you so much for joining us and please join me in welcoming my guest the esteemed Mr Andrew Paquette Andrew how are you tonight
1: I'm fine, thanks. And just for the fun of it, I'll mention not in Jill Biden fashion, but it's
0: Dr. Andrew Paquette. <laughs> you know, I was going to say Andrew Paquette, Ph.D., but I don't know if that sounded too, uh, I don't know, highfalutin. I thought maybe we'd just get to that point. OK, and so I have to ask you now, Andrew, what is your doctorate in? It's an education. And by the way,
1: I didn't pick it because I thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> I picked edu. I, I actually wanted to do something that had to do with anatomical visualization or medical visualization. But at the time, I was teaching at a university in a program that I'd co-founded, and I was running into a lot of, I hate to say it this way, but woke prob- um, issues with woke staff. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And I thought one way to defend my academy against that would be to get a degree in education so that I could speak to them using their own uh, vocabulary. So that's why I got into education. But I got it at King's College London, which is one of the best universities in the world. So, Excellent. Excellent. Uh, that that is good, but the the reason in this context it's appropriate to say doctor, and in any other context it's not. If I'm drawing a comic book, it, forget it. But um, but we're talking about my
0: research here, so right. that's why it, it has merit or value to to say that. Certainly. So, uh, Doctor Andrew Paquette, author of a peer reviewed study in the Journal of Information Warfare, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so, yes, certainly it definitely applies. And I would say that your rationale for going and getting a doctorate in education seems to be pretty noble. There is a massive problem, obviously, with the woke uh, intelligentsia, that culture that's kind of been uh, baked into education, both at a lower and a higher level. So we need people like you who are going to be out there to kind of counterbalance that uh, that Bolshevik influence, if you will.
1: Yeah. You know, the unfortunate thing is that as I I left that university where I had tenure, because while I was getting the Ph.D., the woke got so intolerable that I couldn't stand it anymore. (laughs) I left. So now I'm in the U.S. and you just can't get a job in education if you're conservative.
0: So it, it kind of defeated the purpose. But in any event go ahead well I mean even even still you you have quite the background I mean you mentioned a couple of different things they're comic books obviously I'm an old school comic book lover uh, I, that was uh, one of my passions as a child uh, you've also worked in film and television uh, obviously in higher education in uh, in photography I also was telling Andrew before the show began, his uh, headshot that he sent me for the thumbnail is probably the coolest headshot that anybody's ever sent me. And, I, and I, yeah, I've had a lot of headshots sent to me, so that's pretty sweet. But, I, I mean, let's, let's go back to the beginning, Andrew. I mean, how did you become uh, so diverse in all of these various subjects?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, it, it just seems that I've followed whatever my interests were at the moment. Um, and every once in a while I'd get advice that would send me off in another direction. Like, for instance, there was a um, – when I, when I started out um, as an independent adult and I needed to make a living, I wanted to get into an art gallery, and I wanted to sell my art as a gallery artist. But that wasn't working out too well, and my wife said to me, you know, why don't you actually earn some money instead of just looking to sell in a gallery and uh, be a commercial artist because there's tons of money in commercial art. Definitely. So – so I thought, fine. Um, and uh, I thought, well, I'll do comic books because I know comic books really well. And, and, and I'm what sorry, I did what, was, what
0: year was this? What year was this? Uh, 1980. What was it? 1984. OK, so, so still a golden age in comics like this is a, a pretty good time right there.
1: Yeah. So I, I made some samples and the local comic book store at the time for me anyway was Golden Apple Comics on Melrose in Hollywood and i said do you know any professionals i could show this to get some advice just to see if i'm doing it the right way or not and they hooked me up with a guy who's very well known a writer who um, created a comic called Gru, which is a conan ripoff mark Evanier. yep and he he basically mentored me through learning why everything i did at first was absolute garbage <laughs> and why i had to do it in a completely different way and anyway while he was doing that he explained to me he says you know What you really want to do is uh, don't get into comics first. Get into illustration first, because you're going to learn how to turn things around really fast. You have to do an illustration for the New York Times overnight. Um, You're going to get used to doing things overnight. And comic books, you basically have to do the same thing except ten times a day forever (laughs) without any stoppage, right? So he said you need to to do that first. So I was like, okay. So when my wife and I moved to New York City, I got into illustration. And I I started doing things for – actually, the New York Times was my first job – uh, I did a cover for Time Magazine. I did a record jacket for CBS, that kind of stuff. And then finally, when I felt like I understood what it was like to meet a deadline, I started getting into comics uh, for Marvel and DC, which I enjoyed, um, but it wasn't making a lot of money. So a friend of mine told me, you know, you actually understand computer graphics. Uh, why don't you do that for a living in video games? And I was like, you mean people actually pay you to do this? I couldn't believe it. I, I To me, that was like, somebody paying me for standing in my room breathing. I, I didn't understand what
0: the point of that was, but, um, and, and I'm sorry, and he your, was right. what, what year was that, that you, you thought maybe you can get, in, get into computer graphics. Uh, that was 1992.
1: Okay. 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 And, um, my first job was for Epic games. Okay. Uh, so the, the guys who do, um, shoot, what's that big game? They have Gears of War. Yep. Um, uh, But I started with uh, something called One Must Fall 2. I did work on Unreal, but that was just as I left. But the point is, I was making double there, what I was making in comics. And then another friend of mine said, you know, you can do even better than that if you go to movies. So I doubled my salary again by moving to Hollywood and working on the Space Jam movie. Um, And then I worked on Spider-Man and Daredevil and a couple of others. All mostly comic book properties, as it turns out. Um, But while I was doing that, I became an art director in video games. And, um, and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a break. Um, I've, I had one of my comic books from the 1990s had had been made into a TV series by Chris Carter and I wrote a few screenplays just for fun. And, uh, and then I took a break and moved, um, out to the countryside where I could do a bunch of landscapes and I started selling my paintings and galleries and then I had a job offer to simultaneously, actually, one was to uh, go to work for a game developer in Canada. The other was to found or co-founder, actually, because there are two other guys who are doing it with me, a uh, uh, Academy for Game Developers in the Netherlands. So I thought that sounded like fun. And by then I'd run into so many like greedy, crooked, scheming, evil uh, people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I was really sick of it. And uh, so I thought, you know, in education, there's no money to steal. So I should be surrounded by (laughs) relatively honest people. I didn't realize that they'd be really nosy, busybody people. Actually, I shouldn't put it that way. There were a lot of people in in education I thought were just wonderful people to be around. Mm -hmm. I liked my colleagues. My students, for the most part, were great. We had one guy who stared at me with the burning eyes of hell, and I couldn't wait for him to get out of the class. But, uh, But for the most part, the students and the teachers were really great to work with um so i really liked that but while i was doing that uh, i i was told that i had to earn either a master's or a phd to stay there as a teacher i had tenure but their new ministry of education said that you had to have a degree one level higher than whatever level you were teaching so since i okay. was teaching bachelor students i had to have a master's or a phd and being kind of typical of my overconfident self i thought i'll go for a phd and skip the master's and it worked i had a proposal that uh went over well with all the schools I sent it to. I picked my top choice, and, uh, and that's how I got my Ph.D. Um, but while I was doing it, I was stuck behind my desk all the time doing all this research, and I hated it um, because I wasn't getting any exercise. So I started doing photography, and I started actually getting hired to do freelance gigs as a photographer, and I found out I liked it. So after I got my degree and the woke creep started happening at my school – And by the way, the way it happened isn't maybe what you would expect, because uh, usually when I hear people talk about wokeism, they're talking about um, like the LGBTQ ideology. Sure. And although that did come in, it wasn't really a a big deal as far as I was concerned. Uh, What was a big deal is they went full on hippie and decided, let's just throw away all of our grading standards. Let's throw all of our entrance standards away. And let's just uh, basically let anyone in, let anyone graduate, regardless what work they do, okay? And I know there are people, my former colleagues would contest some of those things I said, but I think it's a, a relatively fair assessment of what they did. And I hated that because I had created a program that it was very successful. We were ranked number one in the country out of over 1,300 programs because of the standards that I insisted that we set, me and uh, actually the guy who was in charge of programming, a guy named Yako Bicker. Um, and we were really, really strict about how we graded things. And, and we also were very careful that everything we did was something that would further the career of the students. And my first rule for all the teachers I hired was never lie to the students about anything. And that also means anytime um, you teach them something, you know before you you start talking it's something they can actually use in industry okay um, I didn't want them just opening up a, um, a textbook on how to how to use a piece of software for animation, for instance, and just go through the pages that's not useful. Mm-hmm. You had to know what the client needs. And you know you need to know how to satisfy it and you need to teach that to the students. so that was my method and um, and then when they they decided to go um, and toss the standards out the window because they wanted more people graduating on time. It just blew the whole thing to smithereens. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a photographer. And uh, I came here, and I got my first couple of assignments, and then the lockdown hit, and (laughs) I was screwed. So I wound up uh, doing research instead, which is what I was trying to get away from by leaving the Netherlands, actually, to an extent. It's like there were like three or four reasons why I left, Um, but that was part of it. I I was like, I don't want to do research anymore. And then what do I do? I get into New York. We've got the election, and it looks fishy as all get out, which makes me curious. So I contact a group about about it, and they um, they help me out with some data. And the more I look at it, the fishier it looks. And then I see the basically the thread on the sweater that when I tug it reveals the algorithm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I have to tell you, just like a cat with a ball of string, I couldn't let that thing go. And the next thing I knew it was two and a half years later, and I just thrown my basically all that time. Uh, pretty much 15 hours a day, seven days a week for – about two years uh, researching this algorithm so I can untangle the whole thing well, which is
0: what we're well, going to talk about what 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 a fortunate coincidence Andrew I mean I think that the 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 pandemic kind of consigned all of us to becoming researchers because we had to spend a lot more time indoors obviously it allowed and afforded me the ability to really dive in on the podcast and and kind of uh, flesh it out if you will um, but uh, I mean this has been one of those kind of um, you know unforeseen positive experiences from it because obviously, if it wasn't for those very unique sets of incidents that came together to put you in that moment, then you might not have even realized what was going on. I mean, you you weren't were you actually living in the United States at the time of the election or did you come back after and then you started looking into it?
1: No, I moved here just before the election. So I, I got to experience um, the the warning that we would have, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. Yep. And I was thinking, that sounds like a likely story, but I sure hope that's uh, what I imagine is going to happen, doesn't actually happen. And then we had all the rides. And I forgot to mention, I wound up becoming a writer, too, which wasn't my intention at all. Um, and that was just because I was trying to set up a photo shoot with uh, uh, police officers, because one of the assignments I'd been given was to get photos of first responders. And although the guy didn't specify police officers, uh, and I'd gotten everybody else, i got gotten doctors and firemen and so on, Uh, and emergency personnel um, I thought I should get some police officers so I'm talking to this guy about that because he supposedly knows a lot of police officers and he says you know what Andrew you sound really articulate I'll bet you can write really well and it just so happens I published the United States largest uh, law enforcement specific or um, magazine okay Uh, law enforcement today and I'd like you to be a staff writer for law enforcement today so I was like okay I'm not doing anything else I have no idea if I'm going to be any good at this, but sure. What the heck? It worked every other time. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Um, And then um, uh, at at a certain point after about a year, and I wound up writing a lot about the riots uh, because I I was really offended by what was going on, what those guys were doing. They were sending me prompts. They'd say, here's, here's like 20 stories, pick five and write about those. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But one night uh, I was thinking about the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse shooting. And I was running a little stats uh, comparison in my mind as I was going to sleep. And I realized, wait a minute, for this guy to randomly shoot into a crowd of 50 people and hit three convicted felons (laughs) would be just about impossible unless almost all of them were convicted felons, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I got out of bed, and even though I didn't have a prompt from uh, uh, Let to write about it, I wrote up my statistical analysis and, and sent it out. They liked it so much, it was like, okay, write what you like from now on, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, I started focusing on the election, because there were a lot of really weird things going on there. Not, you know, election passed, but the election to come, because mm-hmm. it hadn't happened yet, yep. right? Yep. Um, and, and then it did happen, and then I, I was like, well, this is obviously fraudulent. So I started looking at, at why I thought it was fraudulent, and, I would, and so I was looking at the evidence that kind of suggested that was the case. But they said to me, uh, you know what, you, you actually can write about anything you want except that. And Ooh. the reason is because uh, we anticipate that we would get kicked off of Facebook if we let any of your articles through Facebook um, because they're censoring this stuff. Sure. Now, I think the guys at law enforcement today are very good people, um, but they have to get their income. They, they need their revenue, and they didn't want to compromise that. So I just decided to part ways with them because I didn't want to compromise what I was writing.
0: Well, that's great. I mean, that's also very noble. I I mean, I completely understand that. I think every single one of us do. We're we're all in a position where we have to support ourselves. We have to feed our families. And unfortunately, you you have the censorship regime that's pressing down on you from all sides if you want to be able to make a living in this space in these sort of mainstream avenues. You know, I, I was deleted from YouTube October 15th, right before the election 2020. That was obviously devastating, but then I lost my Twitter account two weeks later, and you know, again, as as an unfortunate happenstance uh, in my life, it forced me to learn how to be able to self-publish in, in a much more independent way, and so therefore I uh, was left unencumbered. I don't have to worry about the things that we say now, so I want to make sure that you know you don't have to worry about the things you say on this channel either, and uh, when you separate from law enforcement today how did that affect your ability to produce your your research and the direction you went um well i i left them shortly before i
1: uh i started doing the research on uh the election for new york citizens audit which by the way i'm going to remind everybody i'm not associated with those guys anymore they're fine people they're wonderful people and i wish them you know the best success but uh the way I present my research is is different, and okay. I don't want you guys to get mixed up between what
0: I say and what they say, okay? Yeah, and to be uh, fair, for, in terms of my credit, <laughs> I had a number of different people from New York Citizens Audit that were scheduled to be on the show tonight. And uh, and anyways, it ends up that I get people uh, as- formerly associated with New York Citizens Audit. But again, that's nothing against New York Citizens Audit. We'll have some official rep- representatives from them on here in the show uh, in the near future. But okay, I'm sorry. Continue.
1: Yeah, that's okay. So, so then I started working for, uh, or doing the way I look at it, I'm doing essentially independent research in cooperation with them. So I'm sharing my results with sure. them. So a lot of the stuff that that they publish is derived in some way from my research, mm-hmm. uh, and my research in many cases was assisted by people from NYCA. So. Like I could if I found something and I needed to expand on it, it was much easier to have one of their people do it than for me to do it. And oh. I could just keep on looking for unique um, uh, anomalies within the, the databases that we had. But uh, in any event, by the way, I know it's going to take
0: a, some time to get through the algorithm. So yeah. we're going to need to get to that. At you know, I, I was just going to say let, we can go ahead and skip ahead if you need to. But uh, so, I mean, wh- what brought you to the data sets that allowed you to start identifying what was really going on? Um,
1: well, it, it really came down to what was available at the time. Uh, I think it was uh, Mike Lindell Cyber Symposium was going on and uh, all the stuff they were talking about
0: there and also at the Maricopa audit because you remember that that Absolutely. was going on as well. Yes. And, and your, were... your, your partner actually presented your research at the pit in Arizona, which I was at. But I, I don't remember seeing you there. I don't know if you were.
1: No, I, I, you know, it's funny. I met with uh, Greg Phillips and uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and um, and Marley uh, down in Philadelphia um, just before the pit. And I thought I was going to be going down there, but somehow it didn't happen. I don't really know what happened. But okay. In any event, um, so where were we? We were talking about, oh, right, the, the, the research. Okay, so... In Maricopa and in um, at the Cyber Symposium, the type of data they were talking about was data that we really didn't have access to in New York. So they were talking about ballot images, um, Dominion machines, uh, hard drives from the tab- tabulators and mm-hmm. other devices, and so on. And somehow or another, in certain states, uh, people who were investigating the election were able to get access to those things. But in New York, possibly the deepest blue state of the entire country, we had basically zero chance of that happening. So we had to work with what was publicly available, okay? And at the time, I'm just going to say this up front, I wasn't sure we were going to find anything, okay? I was convinced that fraud had occurred, and the reason I was convinced is I I had seen enough of uh, shenanigans in other states that I felt that the election really should have been annulled, mm. okay? I mean, right. as soon as you start plastering, uh, you know, pizza cartons in the windows to block the view of your uh, observers— that whole vote should have been canceled right there. Absolutely. Um, and when you've got trucks coming from Bethpage, New York, into Pennsylvania, dropping off a tractor trailer full of uh, filled-out ballots, that should have killed that uh, election as well. Yep. Um, so those things have convinced me. But in New York, I was thinking, if if you do a risk analysis of this, you're basically assured of a victory for any Democrat candidate in New York. So why would you risk jail time? By committing fraud i just didn't understand the risk reward benefit there it it seemed to me it was too risky for probably something you didn't need anyway okay um but i ran into a guy at a comic book store as it so happens who started talking about the election uh, and he said that his dead father got a total of 10 ballots mailed to him uh, for the 2020 election at two three different addresses one was his former address in manhattan one was his address in Dutchess County and um, the one he was living at when he died. And the other was his sister's address. Um, so he, I, I don't know, you know, how many ballots went to each. He told me, but I forgot. Um, but it was 10 in total. And so what that meant was um, he could have, if he'd felt like it, filled them out and sent them in. Mm-hmm. And that guy could have gotten 10 votes. Yep. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean it – well, According to this guy, he did not do that. Of course, he was outraged. And I I, uh, assume he's telling the truth. I think he probably is. Um, But when he said that, I thought, okay, maybe I'll find things like that, where someone's not committing fraud, but they're committing stupidity. Okay, Mm -hmm. they're just doing things that are really careless and security wise are really risky to do. So anyway, so what was available? We had voter rolls are publicly available. Anybody can ask for them. Anyone can get them. You can look at them to your heart's delight for the purpose of uh, checking to see if they're accurate and current. Uh, and by the way, they're not accurate and they're not current. I'll right. just tell you that yep. right now. Um, and you can also get uh, certified totals of how many votes were cast, that kind of thing. Now, I'm not going to get into the non-algorithm stuff right now just because that's a big complicated bag of worms all on its own. Okay. Okay. Um, So with the voter rolls, though, actually, I'll say one thing, okay. Um, Early on, uh, we discovered that there were a minimum of about 600,000, and I now know for sure it's about a million and a half records, that are what we call excess records. So an excess record is like you have three records in your name, and they all have different ID numbers. Mm -hmm. So from the Board of Elections point of view, you're three people, okay? Okay. And now the Board of Elections has explained this in the following way. They say, well, let's let's say that that this person has three records with all three different ID numbers. Um, what we do is we'll purge two and leave one active, okay? And that way that solves the problem, okay? It doesn't solve the problem. The reason is because all three, the the two excess ID numbers violate the law, so they never should have been created, okay? And there shouldn't have been a way to create them in the first place. But having been created, they should have been destroyed, okay? Secondly, you can mark them as purged, and that supposedly takes care of it. But how easy is it to mark something purged? It's pushing a button. It's just as easy to change it back to active, okay? Okay. So,
0: so they're not deleted. They're, they're, it's just a, a checkbox in a spreadsheet.
1: Exactly. So, so telling me it's purged when they can easily change it to active, it doesn't make me feel any better, especially when we have evidence in different versions of the database with different dates. That they have changed purge to active. Okay, we know they've done it. Okay, can so you, since can, it goes, you,
0: can you tell who is actually manipulating the records? Um, it's hard to
1: say. Let me let let me get to that in a, in okay. a minute. Okay? I'm sorry.
0: I'll let you keep continue. Uh,
1: okay, so so the thing is, is that we knew that there were about at the time when we first discovered them, it looked like it was about a half million. Okay, I know it's a lot more than that now, but. At the time we were using so many filters, we filtered out things that should have been included. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it occurred to me that those records, if they were going to be used nefariously, as opposed to having been just created accidentally because they've got a really flawed uh, process in their system, right? But if they were made on purpose for the purpose of fraud, they would be useless unless there was a way to clandestinely identify those records really easily. Okay. It's the equivalent, it's like if you're a a pirate and you've got a treasure chest, and you don't want anybody else to have your treasure chest, but you want to be able to find it, okay? Mm -hmm. you've got a bunch of British warships about to uh, arrest you, right? So what do you do? You throw it overboard and you make a map, Mm -hmm. okay, showing the location. If you don't have the map, you're never going to find that treasure chest again, okay? So I kept uh, thinking, you know, in the back of my mind, where's the map, okay? Because we've got 21 million records in New York. And a half million or a million or a million and a half, if you just drop those in there with no way to find them, then there's no way to use them either, because what are they for? They're to be used. And how are they to be used? If you cast a fake ballot, you need to have a fake registration to go with it, Mm -hmm. okay? But what's the purpose of making a fake registration if, you're, if you can just assign it to a, a, a real one, right? Well, you don't want to assign it to a real one because if you do that, then that person might try to vote and you're caught, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you make the fake one. So there's nobody to complain, right? So you have to be able to find it. So I kept on looking and I was trying to figure out how they could possibly tag the records in such a way that nobody would know they did it, but they would know how they did it and they would be able to find the records they needed, Okay. And I did find something that would allow that to happen, okay? Now, I want to be very clear on this, because this is, uh, there's a certain level of evidence I would need to be able to prove that they did use it this way, okay? Okay. So as exciting as it is that I found the algorithm that they could could use to do this, I would actually need their computers to prove that they did it for this reason. You see what I'm saying? So we would need a whistleblower, someone on the inside to give access. Something like that, yeah. 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 Um, and that's just because of what's going on here. They So far I've heard no credible explanations for why this is here, and I've spoken with a lot of experts, and none of them have any idea because the only thing that actually makes sense to any of the people I've spoken to um, is exactly what it looks like, that they're using this to tag records,
2: okay? Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> so yeah. um, shall I start sharing my screen? And You have the floor, sir. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I'm going to show you the first step of this process. Um, So tell me, can you see my screen? I see your screen, yes. We've got a spreadsheet. You sure do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a few things I'm going to draw your attention to here. So on the far left, in column A, you see the names of all the counties in New York, okay? Okay. And then you see their county IDs. Now, what I want you to see or notice is they're not in alphabetical order, and the county IDs are not in numerical order. You see that? Yes, 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 I do. Yeah. Okay. Now here's what's important is that the county ID numbers are assigned in alphabetical order. Okay. So number one is Albany, which is the highest alpha uh, name that we have out of the 62 counties in New York. Yep. Okay. So why are these scrambled? That's because this is what the algorithm does. Now, what we're looking at here are the partitions that are created by the algorithm that are used to disguise the fact that the algorithm is here, okay? So I'm just going to give you a, an image that I made to illustrate this. So on the left, this is kind of what we see when we um, don't know how to filter it and we don't know that there are algorithms there, okay? Mm-hmm. We have basically a dot pattern it looks like a... Um, Color blindness test, mm-hmm. and what you need to do is you need to get rid of all the noise. And if you get rid of the noise, you see the what you have over here on the right. You see what I'm saying? Sure, a lot it more becomes, organized. Right. So I've just closed that. So it took me a couple weeks, uh, along with uh, a colleague who was helping me do this, to map this out. But what they've done is they've divided the um, what's called an SPID number. This is your ID number for the uh, state, and they've created a bunch of partitions. And the names of them are, I'm calling them out of range, uh, and then buffer zones where they don't assign ID numbers, and then they've got more out of range numbers up here. And then each of these counties are assigned to these ranges, okay? So if you look at Schuyler County here, the range is this number, 21571847 847, through this number. So every number in that range was assigned to Schuyler County. Um, and then these ones highlighted in blue are the New York City counties. And the thing that makes this so tricky is that the out-of-range areas, these numbers are assigned to all the counties without any distinction, okay? So if so, what's going to happen is I'll see in the Bronx, I'll see numbers that are assigned to the Bronx out here in the out-of-range territory. And the out-of-range is at the end and at the beginning. So that's basically all this number flack that's in the air that hides the presence of the organization within, okay? And I've seen this in multiple states, by the way, where they have a bunch of disorganized um, noise at the beginning of the number section and at the end, and in the middle, it's organized in a way that by an algorithm, okay? Um, So when I first discovered this, I was like, okay, I have to map it out, and I have to find out which county goes where and how they start out. And if you look at these you see these are in order so mm. this is the order the algorithm puts them in okay and the algorithm scrambles the county id order now this is important because i didn't know that was going to happen i was fully expecting that if this was some sort of normal legitimate purpose that the
0: sbid order would match the county id order it make sense to you sure like uh, albany would start at zero and then it would go up from there maybe
1: right yeah. and that's the other thing um the counties would actually start at zero or mm-hmm. one they wouldn't start at eight and a half million right okay which is what they did and they wouldn't stop at 41 million which they do or 40 and a half, and then continue with all the counties mixed together mm-hmm. okay which is also really weird okay Now, the reason this is important is the first step of the filter is you have to know the range for your county. So for Seneca, it's this group of numbers right there. I'll just highlight them, Okay.
0: Okay. now, I'm, I'm sorry for is this for purposes of being able to recognize or are you saying that if a nefarious actor wanted to determine what votes were available to cast for a particular candidate, they would have to know these ranges so that they could identify the numbers inside or outside?
1: They would need that, but that's only the very first step because this algorithm gets very complicated. Okay. It's like a
0: 20-step uh, process, we'll say.
1: It, it's it's I don't think it's 20 steps, but it's a lot of steps. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Um, but this is what this is what allowed me to to look for it. Okay. Right. So so this stuff highlighted in greed, you need those two numbers, and then you also need to know the county ID number. Okay. So you have to filter for those things. But then you also need a a third thing that I discovered much later. I'm just going to introduce it now. Um, Oh, actually, yeah, and I've got something I can show you to go along with it. And that is the date. It turns out there are four algorithms in the state, and they all appear to have been assigned at about the same time, which is somewhere in the range of June 1st to June 15th of the year 2007. Okay. so Right before Obama's election. <laughs> yep. It,
0: yeah, kind of curious,
1: isn't it? Yes. So, and think about it this way too, because I, I always find this kind of interesting. If you have the best method to do something, do you use the three inferior methods along with the best method, or do you just use the best method for everything? Yeah. You, right. Yeah, that's what you would expect. Sure. Right. So these guys, you had four different methods, four different algorithms that they appear to have assigned all at the same time, meaning each one has a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay which by the way is true. So we'll get into that in just a second. So let me uh, close this. And here, I should make this a little bit bigger so you can see this. So what we're looking at right now is why the dates are important, okay? So let me, cheat whiz, okay. I'm gonna just make this a little bit bigger and okay. this is really, really interesting. Um, so what I've done here, actually this is one of my colleagues did this, but I asked her to anyway. So, this tells you all the, or shows you all the registrations by the year of the registration date. Okay. And it also, the colors have to do with whether they're out of range or in range. So, in range is the organized algorithm territory, and the out of range is the disorganized stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you look at these, and I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. So, if you look at all these zillions of tabs, which I'm not going to go through because there's just way too many of them. Sure. but let's just go all the way back. There we go. Here's Albany. Okay. So here's your in range and here's your out of range. And what you should be able to see is that the out of range numbers start in 2007. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you go to, out. Al- and by the way, they continue past that. But the reason is if you get your uh, number assigned earlier and then you move, then you get a new registration date, which is later. So that's why the blues penetrate the orange. Okay. okay. But but the orange doesn't go below 2007. And then you see it's the same here, it's the same here, it's the same here. And, it, and it's like that for most counties, except for, interestingly enough, four counties that have a unique algorithm that they use. Mm. This is one of them, Erie. Okay. So you notice they have out of range numbers that were assigned before 2007. Do you see that? Yes, back to 1957. Yeah. So, and this is kind of interesting because what this appears to be is a whole bunch of backdated uh, registration dates. Ooh. Why would you backdate your registration dates? Okay, well, that
0: sounds well. like falsification of the records, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, if they wanted it, to seed it uh, long ago to make it look like it's somehow legitimate. but it, Or perhaps maybe it was a proof of concept. Maybe they were uh, determining how it was going to work out if they actually put it into use.
1: Well, there's a bunch of things associated with these backdated registration dates that are interesting. I'm just pointing out the fact that they exist right now. Sure, sure. Okay. And I'm going to go a little further. So, And also, by the way, every one of these, Erie, Nassau, Westchester, all the ones that have large numbers of these use the same algorithm, which is called the metronome. By the way, when I say which is called, that's like that's the brand name. Yeah. I made that name up because of what the pattern looks like to me. Okay. Okay.
2: (laughs) Okay. So
1: it's my branding, not not the creator of the algorithm. I have no idea how they'd brand it, okay? And then here's Westchester. So you can see these are all the same. And the funny thing about their um their county ID numbers is that each is double the value of the previous one. So it's 1530 and 60, which is also kind of interesting. So now let's go to um a different county. So let's go to I think it's uh it's Jefferson is the one I want to go to, and it looks like I forgot to open it. So I'm just going to go ahead and hit the open button right now. Okay. And um, I'm going to skip to a different one. Uh, here, let's go to Genesee. Okay, so uh, let's go to the what the way this looks when you open it up. Okay, so this is the raw data. Okay, so when I open it up, uh, actually, let me look at a different one. This is not the way I want to look at it. There we go. Okay, so this is what it looks like raw. Now, the things that are important are these um, ID numbers. So you've got one set here. These are the state ID number, mm-hmm. and then this set here is the is the county ID number. Okay, so everybody in the state gets one of each. Now, the th- or supposedly they actually wind up getting lots of them. I found out later, but that's a different story. In any event. What's important here is that the algorithm doesn't change these numbers. What it does is it creates a unique relationship between the numbers that's totally hidden. Okay. Okay. And that relationship is the key to a third hidden ID number. Okay. So when you look at this, you may not notice that there's anything funny going on. Okay. So let me make it a little bit more clear. So here, what I've done is I've gone ahead and I've highlighted the county ID numbers after sorting these by state ID number. Now, you look at these, and they don't look like there's anything going on, right? They look like it's random. So let's take another step, and I what I do is I decimalize it. So if you look at these numbers here, um, they you, you, know, you see you, you go one, and then it skips almost to 150,000. It goes down to 14,000. It's just going up and down all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. But what they've done is they have modified these numbers temporarily for the purpose of using the algorithm. So what they've done is they've decimalized them, okay? So they add a decimal point to the front of every number, which causes them to sort in a totally different way, okay? Um, And then what happens is once you've got that decimal point in there, you see these are in perfect order, okay? So if you look at this, 14,982 if you look at it as 0. 0.14982, instead, yeah. the next number is actually 0.4982000, which is on the other side of this number. And here what you've got are these numbers that interrupt the sequence. So you've got the sequence that starts one four nine eight, it continues, but then you got a one oh five five. And if you look back 10 rows, you got another one and another 10 rows and you got another one. Uh-huh. And then you go forward and you got another one. And, and you notice these are really regular. Do you see that? Every 10, yeah. Yeah, and this, by the way, is totally invisible when you look at it here. Mm-hmm. You would never know this, okay? So, and I only know this because I filtered this properly, so it's the right SBOID range, and I've also set it up so there are only um, uh, records that are in county, because if I allowed records from other counties, that would be people who'd move from this county to another county, had the county code updated, but the ID number would be the same, and so they would create more noise, okay? So I have to get rid of all that noise. And then here we have the start of the hundred count, okay, so this is row eighty five so I go to row one ninety six and i'm there we go. There's the next hundred count, and you notice this number sticks out also. It's not part of the the pattern here. do you see that? I do yes, yes, okay. So what what we have here is we've got uh, three patterns right now. We've got the ones pattern where these numbers are separated by the SPID numbers are separated by one digit. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the 10 counts, okay so and these are separated by 11. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, and, and the reason they're separated by 11 is because it's 10 ones plus itself, right? So okay. that, that makes 11. And then the 100s are separated by 111 because now you've added 100, right? So it's 10, 1s, one, uh, uh, 10, and 100s. And so that's 111 different, okay? Now, one thing that's interesting about that is that those are what's called rep units. Uh, do you know what a rep unit is? No, I don't. Okay, so let's show you what a rep unit is. A rep unit is any number where all of its digits are the number 1, Okay. And these, this is the core of the pattern that we're looking at, are these rep units, okay? So in addition to the 100 counts, the 10 counts, and the 1 counts, you've also got 1,000 counts, 10,000 counts, and 100,000 counts. And in uh, King's County, 1 million counts, okay? Um, but the 1 million count is just the easy way of saying 1,111,111. Um, because what they're doing is these numbers are going to be separated by those kinds of values. So let me go to where I broke those out. Okay. So, right here, you see these are the rep units, okay? So, it's 1 through 111,111. And then what they do is they also use 25%, 50%, and 75% of rep units for their start and end locations, okay? Um, And I don't want to lose everybody in this audience as I start talking numbers. I just want to explain the basic mechanics of this, though. So, Um, It turns out you're going to see these numbers, which I call one-quarter rep units, and these three-quarter rep units all over the place. So, for instance, in the 10,000s group for this particular county, which is Schoharie, you see the distance to the minimum uh, SBOID number is 2,778. And 2,778 is exactly one quarter of 11,111. And then just below it, the next number is 8,333 which, when added to the 2778, gives you your rep unit of 11.111. Do you see that?
0: I do, yes.
1: Okay. So I hope you appreciate this is a complicated thing. Okay, so let's... I I do. I think the audience does as well. (laughs) All right. So then what I do after I've done that, I have to calculate what numbers are supposed to be there because I know there are missing numbers, okay? And the reason I know there are missing numbers is because when I look at the top-level view... And I measure how many numbers should be there, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I find out how many are actually there. I find out that there are discrepancies. So in this column O, I have listed how many numbers are missing, okay? Okay. Um, by the way, these pink ones, skip those because those are buffer zones that have no records anyway, okay? Okay. But, but these are the number of ID numbers that were at one time assigned and were later deleted, okay?
0: Okay. So these would be and- like the inactive Voter numbers? No, no, Different? no. Okay.
1: Inactive is a status condition. It's uh, it's basically a radio button. OK, OK. These are literally gone. They disappeared. And as far as I can tell, and by the way, this is based on information I learned later. So it may be true that some of these um, were never assigned. I may find that out. But based on all the evidence I've seen, I believe every one of these was assigned at the time all the rest of them were. And then they were deleted later. Um, and as I understand state election law, that violates the law because you're not allowed to delete records the state's not allowed to delete records and the state would be the only entity that could do this because the county doesn't have access to these numbers okay moreover um the ones i've seen that i've been able to track by comparing databases with different dates on them um they're they're uh excess records that is to say they're the illegally generated records now there's an argument to be made that that's the right thing to do because you're deleting a number that should have never been assigned okay but on the other hand, they're also the state is explicitly does explicitly does not have the authority to delete anything, mm-hmm. and so if they're doing it, they're they're breaking the law. Um, so that's kind of interesting. They may have. Um, I would like to know if they have change log records that show why they did it. Uh, so far, they have not been forthcoming with that information. Anyway. So these missing values, it turns out, are really important. And the reason is because of what the algorithm does, okay? So first off, uh, what we're seeing is a number of transformations that are being done to the numbers, okay? And all, every single one of them has as its purpose, its very obvious purpose, to obfuscate what's going on, okay? What, whoever created the algorithm doesn't want any normal person to know which county ID number is assigned to which state ID number or A very, very specific, unknown reason that is most likely because they want to be able to track these voters in an independent way, independent of the normal voter tracking system. And the reason I say that is that the assignment of state and county IDs is public knowledge. They can't change those numbers, and they didn't, okay? But this relationship only has value if there is some sort of independent aspect of this. That that, um how shall I say this add, well, it has to add value to what's already there in the database, okay, so um there's no point in scrambling these numbers if you don't if if it's all public, okay, mm-hmm. and besides, they're not scrambling the numbers, what they're doing is creating a unique relationship that is very complicated, it had to have taken a lot of work is basically n s a level coding um for no known legitimate purpose in any event so that's what they're doing they're creating this relationship so the relationship is based on rep units now if you if you look here you see these numbers you see a lot of rep units you see all these eleven elevens all -hmm. the way down Mm -hmm. and then if i go down here you see 111s because they've gone down a step because these are all based on orders of magnitude yep um and then if i go down farther you'll you'll see uh 11s and so on okay what they're doing is they're creating an additional ID number, okay. And I'll I'll tell you how I know that. But the thing is, unless you know what the missing values are, you can't calculate what the original ID, what the secret ID number is, okay. So you you have to know this. So I had to figure out a way to um, to figure out what these missing numbers were, and the only way to do that was to calculate what the numbers were supposed to be. Using their method, okay? So let me go to the next page. So what that required me to do, and believe it or not, I had a couple of dreams that helped me out on this. I literally had uh, two dreams that, that basically showed me the way on this. Uh, Wild. So the first thing you have to do is you have to break the numbers down by um, their uh, the, the the power of 10 assignment group that it belongs to. So I've got that in here. Where is it? Um Ah, there we go. Okay, so I call this power, okay? So so the first number, the minimum, is always the zero power group, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's the minimum. And then you, the next one, they go to the highest power, whatever that is. So if it's 100,000 or a million or 10,000, and then it goes down to the thousands, and then it goes down to the hundreds, et cetera. And what you might notice, too, is that right at the dividing line between one and the next, you get this number that doesn't look like it belongs, Okay. And that's because they've got a remainder value in there that you have to calculate. So anyway, so to figure out how they, which numbers go where, what I had to do is figure out how they calculated them. So to do that, I think I've got it spelled out in, uh, which county was it? Uh, this one. Okay, so here we go. So what I needed to calculate this was the minimum SBYD and the maximum SPUID. If I had those two numbers... I could calculate which cal- uh, column all the rest of the numbers belonged in, and I could figure out how to assign these, okay? And, um, and it's very complicated. I'm not going to go through all these numbers, but basically it's I needed to figure out how many numbers with each power of 10 value fit. I'm sorry, with that power of 10 rep unit fit inside the number of numbers that they had, and then what I had to do is I had to, well, do a bunch of math, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I had to put them together. But there was one thing that was really frustrating um, is that they actually cut the numbers. So they made it, they scrambled a little bit more um, by doing this. If you look here at the uh, CID numbers, let's see, that's the county ID. You see that the lowest number is not at the, at the beginning, okay, it's all the way down here. And the number just above it is actually the highest number. And if you look at this, 116, that's the, uh, you know, the last number in the group. If we go to the top, it's 145, which would be the next available number after that. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're cutting it and shifting it. You know, it's kind of like a, a roll of patterns on a uh, on the wheel of a slot machine. Mm-hmm. And they're just shifting it, okay? Yep. And, this was very important, figuring out how to calculate that cut line. So, to do that, um, let's see, where's Je- uh, Jefferson? Just a second. So, I'll show you how that works. Uh, here we go. Okay, so this is how they do it. So, what you have to do is you have to know, uh, first off, what the numbers are. Okay, you have to know the CID numbers, you have to know the SPOID numbers, and you have to count from the last value. Okay. And when I made these charts, there was something I didn't realize, and I, I, I kind of wonder if I should tell you now. Um, yeah, I have to tell you now. Okay, so let me go back to uh, Clinton County. Okay, so what I had to do was I had to figure out what the last value needed to be. And the last value, it turns out, has to be the same for every one of them, and that's how you calculate it. So you find the last value, and then you count backwards until you hit um, – the highest value. And that's where the cut line has to go. If you put the cut line in the wrong place, your county and state IDs won't align the way they're supposed to. And the way this works is you have to count the numbers in this order with starting with the lowest, then the highest, and then going down to the next lowest. And you count starting with zero. You can't start with one or you get the wrong values. And then you count down one, two, three, four until you get to the first 10. And then you go to the, and the last number in the first 10 has to be eight, no matter what, okay? And then it cycles back up to the top and then goes back down. And then you keep on doing that. And if you look, I can tell this is very complicated, sorry. It's okay. Um, So if you look at this, I've got these broken down into what's called rows and blocks, okay? So this numbering, this is block zero. And the reason is because it starts with zero, right? until it gets to 10. So it's one, two, three, four, so it's not to 10 yet. And then down here, you go five, six, seven, eight, and then now it's nine, 10, and then you hit the next block. So now you've, you're at 11, okay. okay? And then here's 21, 31, et cetera. And then when you hit this cut line now, that's the end of it, so that's four, 10, so the next one has to be five, one. So we go over here, we go all the way down, and there we go, five, one, okay? So that numbering continues, and this one, the last number has to be 8, 3 or 83, okay? So the three-quarter rep units are being used here. So the last value has to be a three-quarter rep unit. Um, and it, it gets bigger and bigger as you go. So the first one is 8, the next one is 83, and the tens column will be 833, and the ones column is going to be 8,333. Okay. Now, the reason I'm saying that they're creating this third ID is because that number is hard-coded into the algorithm. They have to end on these numbers, and there's no way for the algorithm to know that they're ending on those numbers unless the algorithm's counting them and assigning those numbers. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and that's why those cut lines are so important, because if you put the cut line in the wrong place, then you're going to have um, the wrong algorithm assigned ID number attached to a number pair. Make sense to you? Yes. Yes. So if you're using this to tag people, you're tagging the wrong people. Okay, sure. sure. And this is why I have to find all the, the missing records. Um, so the way I find the missing records – oh, I'm looking at the wrong group now. Let's go back to Clinton um, – is I go in here, and I have to calculate all these values. And if I see something missing, then I can go ahead and I go with my calculated state ID. I create a space, and then I continue. So if you look at this, you see this number – is calculated. Everything in D is calculated by me, and in G, that's the actual numbers that are there, okay? So when I did my math over here on this other tab, it told me this was the first number for the hundreds column, and it is. And then the next one is this number, and it is. And then here, it's missing, but then after that, this matches again, and it continues matching. So this gives me confidence that I've figured out which numbers are missing. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's really interesting about this is if you go to the county ID numbers, right, and this is really fascinating. If I go over here, and I'm not going to do this on your show because it would reveal information about voters, okay? Okay. Um, and that's all public anyway, so personally I think it should be something that can be shared, but because I'm, I am I just want to be cautious, I'm not going to. Um, but I have checked these, and if you look, the county ID number here is 1,083, and then it skips one, then it's 1,085. So what do you want to bet that the county ID that's missing is 1,084, right? Sure. Well – when I look up county ID 1,084 for this county, there's a record, okay? But that record has a different state ID number attached to it, okay? Okay. So that indicates the possibility that this number was a, a, a cl- what I call a cloned ID um, that they've deleted. Now, um, uh, I, I had um, a guy work up a list of, of ID numbers that had been changed or deleted in between two different databases, and every single one of the ones I checked were like this. So I would find the, uh, the one value was missing from the algorithm assigned set of numbers, and the other number was present. So it's like they, they, um, they essentially evaporated all of the voting information that was uh, originally assigned to this record. So if we go back to the example of you having, say, three records, let's say they were using two of those fraudulently, and then they did this, so you now have one record, there'd be no way to know that there were votes attached to those other two records because
0: they've now grouped them into one record. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. <clears throat> and and the the effect of that record e- existing at election time means that fraudulent ballots were cast, but then there's no way to go back and actually check to make sure. Yeah,
1: and actually, one thing that's really important, it's, it's a slightly different subject than the algorithm, but I think it's important to note, there are records that I, where I know for sure, um, for instance, in New York City, that they have um deleted uh, at the state level two hundred fifty-four thousand and change votes that were recorded by the county so you look at the record it's got an id number a state and a county id it says the guy voted or the lady voted in the 2020 election you go to the state version of the database for the exact same id numbers and it says the person didn't vote in that election Hmm. okay so that's gone and one where this becomes important is I found a guy, um, I'm not going to give his name, but he, he had 25 registrations. And as far as we can tell, the guy doesn't exist at all, okay? Uh, he's completely fake. He had 25 different addresses, and they were, all of the registration numbers were signed in the same week, okay? Oh, I'm sorry, all but one. One of them was in, in the same month, but it was a few weeks earlier. Um, and all the ones we were able to find records for, uh, and we didn't get records for all of them because not all counties complied with the request, um, they were sending him absentee ballots to the same post office box. Um, actually, I shouldn't say post office box. It's one of those rental boxes that you sure. find in shopping malls. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You have a guy with the same name and uh, variations on his birthday, but obviously the same guy um, getting all of his his absentee ballots for 25 different addresses sent to the same box in this Nanuet shopping market. Okay. Um and the thing about it that's fascinating is when I look at the state records, it says he never voted. So big deal. It doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. But when I got the records from the counties, some of them accidentally told me whether he voted or not. And he did. Okay. Wow. So what that means is the state has deleted evidence of fraudulent votes being cast in the name of this guy. Okay. So that's where these missing records start getting kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um now. This number you see here in the A column, that's the, what I call the algorithm ID, okay? So if I go to the um, where I've got these all sorted by algo ID, okay? So now this is the algo ID. So what this does, I was originally thinking that they, could, um, they would tag the record somehow, so it would basically tell them it was a phantom, um, but nobody else would know it was a phantom, okay? This algorithm ID is much better than that and is the reason why I can't prove that's what they're doing, okay? Because this ID number allows them to have a completely separate database that they can access voter information from using this secret ID number, okay? Mm -hmm. So what would happen is if somebody ever found this list of ID numbers, they'd have no way of knowing what they meant or who they referred to, because they scrambled the numbers so much to get to this ID. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, unless they did all the work I did to unravel this, they'd never know. Um, but but then they'd still have to – how shall I say this? If you have another database and you don't use the state ID or the county ID to refer to the records, they're not in the database. So even if you've got all the voter names in, in there and you've got their address, you've got all this information, whether the vote's been used nefariously or not, um, If someone saw the database, they wouldn't be able to make heads or tails of it because you've got the wrong ID numbers on it because they're using this one instead. You see what I mean? Yes. Um, so you'd actually need to see that other database in order to know that this is what's going on. Um, but everything about the algorithm is designed to create this output, okay? It's, it is it, it is designed to make sure that, for instance, this state ID number and that county ID number are the same person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this relationship is a really, really sophisticated example of steganography. Um, just so you know, the word steganography is normally applied in a different way. It's, it's usually applied to uh, like copyright information in music or videos. It's quite often used to refer to um, uh, images being used to conceal messages. Mm-hmm. Okay? This isn't a message. This is an attribute. So this is a hidden attribute, but it's hidden in plain sight, okay? And so that's why it's steganography. But it's not a
0: message, and I don't want it to be confused with, with it actually being a message. But well, the I mean, thing about – In a manner of speaking, it is, though. I mean it, the, whoever the user is, if they're trying to learn exactly who they can insert back into the system so that they have those votes that can be drawn on. I mean it, it, I understand what you're saying, but it is it is it's, – it's along the same lines. Yeah, it is.
1: Now – um, one thing is very, very interesting, and that is the different algorithms. Um, so let me show you the of range territories because what I've been showing you so far is the in-range material, okay? So um, oh, and I've got that on a different screen. Okay, so here is one image, but I want to show you a different one. So let's go, there we go, all. Okay. So this is a what's called a scatter plot. And Mm -hmm. what you've got is you've got the state ID numbers on the y-axis over here on the left, and you've got the county ID numbers down at the bottom, okay? Um, So this is all records, which and in this case, um, for the out-of-range territory, you can see the number up here. It's just about 9 million records that are out-of-range, okay? Now I want to show you something very interesting about this, okay? I'm going to go to the active records only, And I want to see if you can spot the difference between these two images, okay? Because this is really, really interesting. And pardon my little hiccup there with Windows 11. I actually hate this feature where it tries to squish these into the same place. Just a minute.
0: Okay, so I want these side by side. Okay, are you seeing anything different about these? Uh, I mean, the distribution is uh, different on the far lines on the left. You've got, like, uh, uh, horizontal uh, distribution going through that middle portion on the left.
1: Yep. All those horizontal lines are purged records. Okay. So what this means is I can tell you if you you've got purged status based on your ID number. Wow. That's like me being able to tell you're a drunk driver by looking at your driver's license number. <laughs> okay. Yes. This shouldn't be possible. Okay. And uh, just to make it clear, um, let's go to the purged. Okay. So when I go to all purged records, it looks like the all records,
2: okay? Mm -hmm.
1: They're distributed everywhere. But if I go to the active records, that's what it looks like, okay? Active only, okay? So they do have purged records pretty much everywhere. So some of these are natural purges, but the others are unnatural purges, where the ID number seems to have been assigned knowing the person was purged. you see what I'm saying? Sure, yes. okay. So let's take a look at this in Photoshop because this is really interesting. This is, by the way, the uh, shingle pattern is what we're looking at. I'm gonna get into that in a minute. Okay, so this is for Nassau County, okay? So what we're looking at right now is a combination of active and purged. Now, because this pattern is so complicated, it's really hard to separate the pieces. So actually, let me show you why it's so complicated, okay? So you see these shapes with these overhangs? Mm -hmm. You see that? Okay. That means I can't use a rectangular selection to find these numbers. I have to manually go in and zoom in and look at them, you know, by eye and figure out where these shapes are located so I can separate them, okay? Um, Which is really, really hard to do. So what I found is that 99.34% of all numbers in these ranges are purged, okay? But why not 99.99 or why not 100%, Okay. It turns out it has to do with that vertical and horizontal um, orientation of the numbers. So if you look at this, this is active and purged, but what's going on with the actives? They're orange, and you see they're all vertically aligned. Mm-hmm. And you look at the purged, and they're blue, and they're horizontally aligned. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if we look over here, you see interpenetration of the pattern. So it's pretty obvious here these orange dots don't belong. Do you see that? Absolutely. Yes. They're not part of the same pattern. So everything that was assigned using this algorithm in blue is the shingle, and these active ones are not. So even though they appear to be in the same location, they're actually not part of the same pattern. So if I exclude these orange dots, this actually becomes 100% um, uh, perched. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Okay, now I'm going to show you the thing that makes this really fascinating, okay? I'm going to turn off the um, active ones. You barely see any difference. I'm going to turn on the XSID numbers, what I call clones. These are going to be in green. Okay, do you see the green? Oh, wow, yeah. Okay, so do you notice it's a gradient? Do you see how it's a solid fill up in the top left, and it goes down to a fairly faint sparse fill down here on the bottom left? Definitely, yeah. Do you see how smooth that is? Yeah, yeah. It's a perfect gradient, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is 100% clones and purged at the upper right, and it's about 20% uh, clones down here. And then it's a perfect fall off all the way down. There's no way to do this unless you knew these were excess registrations at the time you assigned the ID numbers. Make sense?
0: Yes, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, so we've got here is knowledge of illegal records at the time they assigned the ID numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is something I can see with the algorithm. Okay. Um, and it, this is a different algorithm, by the way. This is the the shingle I was showing you what I call the spiral before. Um, and let's see, I think I might have a couple more images, but it looks like we've been at about an hour, so you might want to be well, getting to your question.
0: No, 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 we're, we're gonna, we, I, I need to let you finish before we open the phone, so you continue. <laughs> okay, so let
1: me show you what the shingle pattern looks like up close, okay? So this is my visualization of how the numbers are assigned. Um, and it's kind of interesting because they start by assigning what you would think is uh, you know the low value, right? They go one to 10. But then they go below that for the CID number to assign 11 through 20, and then below that again to go 21 through 30. And so what this means is, since they're going backwards in the number sequence, they had to know how many numbers they were assigning to begin with, or they wouldn't have had enough space underneath to do this. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And what this also tells you, or explains, is why you've got 100% concentration of XSIDs at the upper right, because those are the highest values. And these numbers are counting backwards. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what they have is they've, they've given it an upper range, and then they're counting down, essentially. And, um, which is why it's more thickly populated at the top. Now, my guess is, and this is, it really is a guess, because I haven't analyzed this carefully enough to know for sure. But my guess is what they're doing is they're saying, okay, for every 10 records you put in this shingle... You put 9 in the next one, 8 in the next one, 7 below that, etc. Mm-hmm. So as they add to it, it builds that gradient pattern that we just saw. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Okay. Um, so just a second. Let's go over to my images. Um, this, by the way, I'm about to bring this image up. This is how the counties lay out with the buffer patterns. This might be a better way to visualize it than just looking at the raw numbers. So each of these three letters corresponds to a county. So NGR is uh, Niagara. This is Suffolk, Essex. Uh, I actually forgot what STD is.
2: <laughs> As we go,
1: <laughs> Onondaga, uh, and so on. So anyway, but this is what it looks, this is what the layout looks like. So they've got one county assigned in the top group, one in the bottom group. And then these, these bars that you see in between them, these are buffers. Do you see how like regular... Yeah. the this, this spacing is. Um, so anyway, but each of these things that I've shown you now, and I've, I think I've done this about as quickly as I ever have, <laughs> um, are tell- should tell you that somebody put a lot of effort into assigning these numbers using these algorithms in such a way that the existence of the algorithms themselves is well hidden. the purpose of them is well hidden. Um, and no one would have any reason to look for them. And yet there's no reason for them to be there that we know of any way that's legitimate. So, for instance, I should talk about that for just a second, okay? There are legitimate reasons for messing around with numbers, okay? Credit card companies, for instance, do it all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and what they'll do is uh, they will actually, uh, uh, what is it, like a 12-digit number, 12 digit number for credit cards, right? And then they block off the first eight, and they use uh, the last four for confirmation purposes. So if you're buying something on Amazon, they, they ask for the last four digits, of your ID number the second time, the first time they'll, they'll ask for the whole thing. Um, but that's not what they're doing here. That's called um, uh, masking. So they're not masking the ID numbers, right? And they can't because they're public. Um, and then there's another reason uh, or another way of, that they would do that and that's scrambling the numbers. So I've got a friend who works at a very large insurance company and sometimes they get requests for um, patient data for the purpose of uh, scientific studies, okay? But they don't want to be able, uh, you know, people doing the study to know who the patients are. So what they do is they anonymize all their ID numbers. So what they do, they don't mask them the way the credit card companies do. They scramble the numbers using an algorithm so that they're unrecognizable, basically. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they do that because they have to know who they are. Okay. But the people on the other side don't. So they basically keep, uh, uh, anytime they have a request for that kind of a data, they run it through the scrambler um, before they send it out. Um, and that makes a lot of sense, but for this kind of a database, it makes no sense whatsoever because it's a public database. Right. Um, so all of the data, including the ID numbers, is publicly available. Now, what isn't available is the social security number. So that's basically total masking, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you know, the credit card companies block the first eight numbers. The um, uh, the election board block all of the numbers. Um, the driver's license number is also something that we don't have access to because by law, they can't give it to anybody. That's fine. But that's not where the algorithm's operating. The algorithm's operating on public data. That's what's weird about it. And I can make predictions based on that data. I can say if you've got you know, this kind of a number, it's going to be a purged record. I can also say it's, it's uh, very likely to be a cloned record. And in this case, I can say it's a deleted record. And if I can say it's a deleted record, I can say who the record actually originally belonged to and that it was originally a clone. I shouldn't be able to say any of those things, okay? However, being able to identify which of the remaining numbers are clones is something I can't do because I need to have access to the database
0: that's keying into these ID numbers that they've uh, assigned. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And so So, – What makes sense here? Is there – like commercially available software that you would expect to see in use at a state level like this, that, that could be used to decode this sort of thing, to decrypt it? Or do you think that perhaps there is some proprietary software that they just, you know, punch in whatever they need, and then it spits out the data so that they can get away with it? Uh, This is almost
1: certainly proprietary. And the thing that disturbs me the most about it is, I suspect, and I think I've got good reasons to suspect, that this software, the these algorithms, these number assignments um, were done without the knowledge of the elections board.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. So well, that takes me to my next question. I mean, who would you suspect would be able to manipulate and control this data to make it useful? Well, <laughs> I hate to go there, but I'm gonna. I will. Um, but I'm gonna
1: do it by quoting other people. Okay. So some of the the uh, experts I consulted on this uh, tell me that the only people capable of doing something like this is, are, is the NSA. Wow. So, well, they,
0: they, I mean, this
1: it, algorithm is, is it, it, you know, I've described this in the simplest way I possibly can. There are levels of detail that I skipped over that. So you, you won't know that, uh, that information, but it's only because it's too complicated. Okay. Um, and it would take me forever to, or quite a long time to explain it to you. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that's necessary for our purposes, but, um, but whoever did this is very sophisticated, um, and, and they are accustomed to hiding things. The, the purpose of the algorithm is to hide the relationship of these numbers to each other. Um, and it is, it is bizarre to find it. Now, the thing is, that represents a security breach. And the reason is because this is what's called uh, the first algorithm I showed you, is, and the one that is on the screen right now, This is what's called a deterministic algorithm, which means it can be reversed, Okay, which means meaning can be derived. It's not randomized, right? Right. Um, And the other algorithms, because they are built on patterns that can be recognized and extracted, those, although they're not deterministic in the same way, they are still accessible in the same way. So if someone... If, like, all the numbers in a certain group, like the shingle group, met a certain criteria, those are literally tagged. Okay. So, someone be, would be able to say, all right, all of those records are available to use. Right. And actually, I would say they're the perfect uh, set of numbers to use because they all have purge status. So, supposedly, they're not active. They're not associated with any real people. Um, a lot of them are clones. So, what they could do very easily is they could go ahead and use them to vote. And then, after the vote's been certified, they can go ahead and change the status of to purged. So they change it to active for as long as they need it, switch it to purged, and nobody would ever know the difference, okay? Now, I'm extrapolating something that they could do. I'm not saying they did do it, except for the fact that I do have evidence that they have done things like it, okay? <laughs> we know for a fact that people have voted at the county level, the, vo- the vote was recorded at the county level, and then the vote somehow disappeared at the state level, okay? We know that for sure. Um, We also know for sure they have deleted or merged records, okay? And we also know for sure they have changed purge to active status and active back to purge, et cetera. So uh, we also know that they backdated registration dates. So, for instance, one voter that uh, we actually talked to, she had three registrations. And when I looked at her her registration cards that were sent to me by uh, a FOIA request, which means this is public information, okay? Right. The signatures weren't just identical, meaning it's the same person who signed them. They were pixel by pixel exactly the same. Reproductions. Okay? Yeah, they were reproductions. And the thing is, they were all backdated registrations. She said, and she proved it, you know, she was like, I was pregnant when I registered to vote at the DMV. This little baby in my arms is one year old. These are all dated two years ago because uh, they had her registering before the 2020 election when, in fact, she registered after the 2021 primary, mm. Okay. So, those three backdated registrations with three different ID numbers would have allowed three votes to be cast in her name without her knowledge. Okay. Right. Um, and when I showed it those, that exact example to the state police, they said it was um, forgery. Uh, they said that. I said, a photographic duplicate counts as forgery. They said, yes, it does. And they said, we could prosecute that if we knew who did it. We could prosecute it right now on the basis of those documents alone. And uh, I guess also they would probably need the statement from the voter saying I didn't do it in, on that date. But, um, but the thing is, they've got enough problems like this that I'm really not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I do want to say, um, because I, I, I don't want this to go unsaid, that the Board of Elections has not responded directly to the, um, the existence of the algorithm. They have indirectly mentioned it, but they haven't really directly addressed it at all. Um, But they have addressed some of the other things that I found or the NYCA uh, team has found. And um, some of the things that they've said in explanation appear to be true, but usually it's only for a very small portion of the data set that is in question. So like if, for instance, uh, we have these uh, New Year's Day registrations and they've got an explanation that actually works for about 5,000 of those records. The problem is there's almost a million of those records. Okay. Mm -hmm. So their explanation doesn't work for nine hundred and ninety five thousand of them okay um, and that's how their explanations are for the most part they're 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 partial and very misleading because they 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 give them as if they apply to everything but they really don't um, but they're plausible sounding because they do apply to some records you see what I mean absolutely yes <clears throat> so when it comes to the algorithm though one thing I do want to point out um I this guy I was told said it was okay to use his name um, after July of 2023, and it is now after July of 2023. But because I haven't spoken to him since before then, I'm not comfortable using him na- his name. I'm just going to say he's a county commissioner, um, and he was absolutely shocked when he saw the algorithm. Okay, he said I had no. He said I had no idea that was there, and the only thing I can think of that you would use this for is to tag the records.
0: Well, okay? I'm glad that at least one person has uh, a seeming understanding of, of what you've shown us tonight, but how many people in a position of power with the ability to do something about this information have actually seen it? And um, has anyone taken action?
1: Yeah, you'd be surprised, actually quite a few. Um, I have been personally uh, present for, for a number of meetings, of necessity because i was the one making the presentation sure sure (laughs) but i've let's see i've spoken to uh i want to say i've spoken to two district attorneys but for the life of me i can't remember the second one i remember the first um i'm not going to give the county names because i don't know if these guys want to be uh known as having seen this data and what they're doing about it um sure because some investigations are ongoing um but this one guy I'm thinking of, uh I spoke to it was the DA, the assistant DA, and the sheriff for that particular county. They found it very compelling. I will say the DA seemed to think it was more compelling than the sheriff, but the sheriff may just have been very sleepy that day for all I know. But um in in any Make event, the uh he wanted to do an investigation and actually you know the guy with the 25 registrations in 25 different counties, this particular county was one of them. And 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 so he had a, a hook that he could he could use to start an investigation. I don't know where that's at or if it's concluded or still ongoing or not, but he, he did start an investigation. Um, I know that uh, another sheriff uh, made a very uh, half-hearted investigation. And uh, the thing that was really disappointing to me is that he seemed like a real solid guy. He seemed very honest and actually he still does to me. But what happened was he asked the uh the county commissioner there for an explanation, and she gave him one that was no better in quality than the other ones I was kind of generically describing to you, and he just accepted it and dropped his interest right there and I'm thinking, hmm. but she just gave you all this information. information's fault um because the the things she gave him is and I know what she said because he forwarded the the letter to me um so she was either being vague, that is to say, not specific enough to really answer a question, or she was giving partial answers that, that satisfied only uh, some of the uh, the uh, questionable records, but not all of them, or the information was absolutely false. And we never really had a chance to address that. But then later I found out that this guy's wife um, is the lady who was the former county commissioner, so they were good friends with everybody, and she is the current salesperson for Interheart Civic who sells the election machines to the... <laughs> County. of course okay. of course <laughs> And heart civic is esns who you've heard of right absolutely yes yes
0: and i'm sorry yeah. andrew are we are you going to show us anything else on here or is it okay back to go back to the view of our faces yeah we can go
1: back to our faces okay. just a second i okay. just have to figure out how to do that
0: uh, um, here i can actually um end your participants sharing and there we go oh, that's good.
1: okay <laughs> uh somehow i can't see. oh yeah i see myself in this little bitty window there um yeah. Yeah, so, so there was that, but and I talked to a sheriff uh, uh, down south, and he was, um, he was interested, but what he said was this. He said, look, I've got a guy who was in jail for murder, and he just got out of jail and uh, was dealing drugs. He got out on parole, and then he committed another murder in another state, and I'm having a hard time getting a district attorney to pursue that wow he said even as a parole violation I'm having a hard time so you can imagine the difficulty I would have with an election issue okay and I happen to point out I said why do you think that guy got let out on parole because of the person who Correct. let him out on parole and that person is in an elected office so if that election was funky then your problem is actually at a higher level than you think and yep. he said yeah I know but still I've got to deal with the immediate issue in front of me and um, So and it's really sad. You think about what it's like down in Texas right now with all these illegal aliens running across the border. I can only imagine the nightmare these guys have to deal with. Sure. Um, But So that was his reaction. Um, The one guy uh, who was shocked by the algorithm, he's a programmer. So he really understands. He says, look, I I know this back and forth, and there aren't very many other uh, people in my position who have a programming background who would understand this. um, But I can easily see how dangerous this is from a security point of view. Oh, and I started to tell you this, and I didn't finish. But um, the thing about a deterministic or reversible algorithm is that um, it's, it makes for a really juicy target for someone who, who wants to get information, okay, um, because you can figure it out. I mean, it took me a long time to do, and it would presumably takes somebody else a lot of time to do as well, um, but it can be done which is why you don't use those kinds of algorithms unless you're trying to to key the data somehow, sure. okay? Um, and one thing I mentioned at the beginning, uh, and probably before we went on air while we were just chatting, and I'll mention again right now because I think it's important, is all four of the algorithms appear to have been assigned to or used to assign these ID numbers at the same time. And I haven't been able to pinpoint the day, but I haven't been able to pinpoint a two-week period. It's The first two weeks of June... 2007 okay so the thing that doesn't make sense to me is that they have they have definitely used different algorithms for the same counties and they seem to be segregating the data by using these algorithms now normally when you segregate data like for instance let's say you know you have bad data right uh, because you know, you have some old woman who had dementia who absolutely fouled up your database and you want to keep those numbers separate, but you can't throw them away. Mm-hmm. So you segregate them. Okay. So you, you create a space where they can go and everybody knows that don't go there. That's archival for historical purposes only. Uh we're gonna we're we're going forward from there. So you would do that. What you would not do to segregate the data is blend it together the way they did, mm-hmm. okay? Um, they blended it so you wouldn't ever know that they've segregated the data, okay? Right. So um, so like that shingle section I showed you where where those certain counties had those prior to 2007 out of range ID numbers, um, those are all suspicious records, every single one of them. And we're talking um, is it I think it's around three quarters of a million records in that area, wow. okay? Um, so that's not that's not small change there. In fact, I believe, that the um, how shall I say this? The security implications alone should actually um, force a decertification of like every election in New York. I don't. I don't see any way that you can legally certify elections. Personally, I think that as for as long as the database basis looked like this, and I believe it's fair to say at least since two thousand seven. Um, every election since then could not have been legally certified. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so this is my disclaimer to go along with your disclaimer at the beginning of the program. I've read the law, though, and that's what the law seems to say, is that if you have you know, demonstrably inaccurate uh, records or um, record, um, uh, a voter roll database that has security breaches like this, uh, it really can't be used, and you can't certify election on the basis of those records. And funny thing about that, I'll tell you, is um, in my research on election fraud, I have discovered something kind of interesting, and that's registration fraud is a part of election fraud. Mm -hmm. You basically can't commit election fraud or voter fraud unless you've got either a fake registration to back it up or you've stolen a real one somehow. So registration is a part of every single case of vote fraud. And this is something that I have a very hard time understanding when I talk to officials. And I've, I've talked to uh, legislatures, too, by the way, because I made a presentation at the state legislature uh, here, and I've uh, talked to a bunch of other sheriffs and so on. But the thing is that I'm pointing out that we have votes that we know are bad that are associated with some but not all of these registrations. But we also have all these bad registrations, and the bad registrations are illegal on their own, Okay and these officials don't like the idea of going after those because they say, well, there's no votes attached. And I say, okay, fine. But look, we have evidence, like in New York City, of a quarter million votes disappearing. Mm -hmm. So if we're only looking at the state records, we see all these um, illegal registrations, and you don't see any votes attached to them. But if I go to the county records, I can show you there were votes attached to them. So now are you interested? The thing is... As far as I'm concerned, that
0: potential all by itself Absolutely. is enough reason to decertify. Yeah, okay, Yeah, it's like a potential conflict of interest in a courtroom setting. I mean, that's enough to get people kicked off of cases. That's enough reason to have a new judge brought in.
1: Yeah, well, you think about it like this. If you're a bank, right, and let's say you're a very liberal – uh, banker, bank manager. Okay. By liberal, I don't mean politically liberal. I mean, you just want to let it all hang out. You sit there in your Hawaiian shirt, drinking <laughs> beer all day long. You've got your feet up on the desk and your feet are bare. And you might even have a couple of huge zits on your forehead. and You don't give a damn. Okay. <laughs> and you leave your bank vault door open all day long. You leave all the teller drawers open all day long. You have no security at all. Okay. Yep. Um, and you even invite um, your customers into the back room to have a sandwich with you, and you sit there in the security vault. You've got all of the, um, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the safety deposits. You've got all the doors wide open. All the people's stuff is available to look yeah. at and paw through their jewelry, whatever. Let's say that's the kind of bank you run, okay? Who are you to say that the amount of money in the bank is what's supposed to be there? Sure. Especially when an auditor comes in and the number they come up with doesn't match the number that you've got on your books Mm -hmm. at that point if you go ahead and say oh well you counted it wrong i would say you know what the onus is on you here okay because you are running this in such a sloppy careless way and negligent way i don't think that they have the authority
0: anymore to be telling us what's in their vault at that point. You see what I'm saying? It's a reasonable assumption, and I think that everyone here would agree with you. And certainly uh, operational security is a heavy concern for many different industries. And uh, for our election system, you would assume or you would, I guess, hope perhaps at best that operational security would be a major part of ensuring that we have free and fair elections. But obviously, with these inherent vulnerabilities and intentional systems that are in place to ensure that these can be misused and that elections can be stolen, I mean, it's only reasonable to assume that they're being used for exactly that purpose. Actually, two things on that point, okay? Um, First
1: off, there's a really old case from 1888 called Ex Parte Coy that is uh, relevant here, okay? okay? Uh, Now, what it was is it was in the state of Indiana. There was a group of people who conspired to cheat. In, a, in an election for the local coroner and mayor, okay, or, or coroner and something else. It, it might not have been a mayor, it was, but they're both local-level positions, okay? Okay. And uh, what they did is they worked out some kind of an arrangement with the people at the local county board of elections so that they could commit their, their fraud, okay? Now, the details in the that are listed in the case um, as decided by the Supreme Court don't uh, tell me exactly how their fraud was managed. It just it, it does tell me that uh, it was a collaboration of bad guys and county commissioners who went along with it because they were essentially bribed. Okay,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, the decision uh, had to do with this was brought to the the Supreme Court because these guys were all found guilty and they were sentenced to jail and what were for the time very stiff pe- uh, fines, like ten thousand dollars. Okay, which is huge back then. That's right. like a million dollar fine today. So um, what these guys said was. We got those heavy fines and the jail sentences because we conspired to commit fraud in the election, the local elections, but we didn't conspire to commit fraud in the um, federal election, which was on the same ballot, and therefore you should let us off, because we weren't trying to defraud anyone at the federal level, and we were sentenced under federal law, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Supreme Court decided, and what they said, is, they had two things to say on this subject were very interesting. One is... It doesn't matter. You were on the same ballot, okay? So if you aim a rifle at a crowd of people intending to shoot a certain guy and you shoot somebody else, you've still committed murder and you're still responsible for it. Okay. That's right. yeah. doesn't matter. Okay. So that's point one. And then when it came to the officials, they were trying to get off because they didn't do anything overtly to allow this to happen. They just didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't do their job. Yep. Okay? Yeah. And so what the uh, what the Supreme Court uh, um, decision said was elections are very, very important. They're dangerous if misused. Considerable harm can be caused to the people of the United States if the wrong people get into office. Um, And therefore, the people who are in charge of these elections have a special responsibility that can be likened to the kind of responsibility that people have who stored dynamite. Okay, mm-hmm. and other explosive materials. Uh, when you give a person like that a license to manage those things, they become responsible for their misuse or their accidental explosion, for mm-hmm. instance. Okay, so it could, they could have no intent whatsoever to cause an explosion that destroys a building and kills 100 people. But if it happens, they're responsible because they've got a special responsibility because the substances under their care are so hazardous. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they said, this, is, this applies to elections. So we have to assume that because you didn't do your duty, that you intended for this to happen. Okay? Because you are responsible at a higher standard because of the inherent hazard of the materials that you are in charge of. Make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it does. So, so as you know, I understand, yeah, go so, ahead. somebody tell a lawyer <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the funny thing is that, uh, you know, I found a lot of, um, well, very suspicious things in the uh, in the voter rolls. I found things that I am quite sure are outright fraud. And that, by the way, has been confirmed by people in law enforcement. So if I'm wrong, they're wrong. Okay, so it's it's not just me. And these are guys who know the law and a district attorney as well. So,
0: so Andrew- this is not just have yeah. you have you had uh, have you had the opportunity to I- examine the voter rolls and the information in in other states so you can see yes. if this is duplicated um yeah and I was kind of
1: disappointed because i didn't find uh these particular algorithms in any other states however, I found something kind of similar in New jersey so they they do have i mean I found algorithms in other states but they weren't the same algorithms okay um and the one in New jersey actually did change the numbers. And I think the reason for that is because they don't have the equivalent of a county ID. They only have a state ID. Okay. Um, so if they were going to tag it, they had to do it inside that number. And the, the way they seem to have done it was by manipulating the number. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details because that's very complicated. Um, and actually, show. I think, what they, did, I think what, what they did in New Jersey is much more deceptive than what they did in New York. It's, um, it's actually simpler, but I think it's harder to detect. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, It's just a very, very tricky thing that they did. Um, North Carolina, uh, is it North or South Carolina? I think it was North Carolina, not South Carolina. Um, They have a team of people who were trying to replicate my results there. And um, they definitely found an algorithm, and I was able to give them some information on what their algorithm was doing. Um, But I only went so far because I, I, I didn't have loads of time to devote to that. And I don't know where they're at now, but I can say they do have an algorithm they're using for their voter ID numbers. And the pattern it makes in a scatter plot is physically resembles um, some, the, the shingle pattern that I found in New York. Okay. It is definitely not the shingle pattern. It just looks like it at first glance. Okay. Uh, and they've got, I think it's four patterns also. And theirs was also introduced in 2007 <laughs> at about the same month, Okay. Um, and I, uh, there was another uh, one, uh, Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania. Uh, they've got a guy named Vico who's doing a lot of research there. We've had a lot of chats. He's a really terrific guy. And um, although he didn't find anything for uh, Pennsylvania, neither did I, he did find something in Hawaii. And in Hawaii, it was literally a tag. It, it wasn't you know, as sophisticated as what I found in New York or, or New Jersey. Um, but what it is is they have, I think it was slightly over a million voters in all of Hawaii. Okay, mm-hmm. And about 10% of their numbers... Um, our tag, and the way they did it is they have what's called a UUID. Do you know what a UUID is?
0: Uh, I mean, I've heard it, but I, I don't know what it is. I couldn't tell you. Okay, it's a, it's a
1: in in this case, it's a 32 bit encrypted number. Okay? okay, so this is so I was looking at at the numbers for Hawaii, and I I hate to admit this because uh, Vico wins here. I uh, I just gave up. I, I looked at it, I was like, "There's no way I'm going to figure that one out" because it's utterly randomized. It's totally randomized. But this is because of the way I was conceptualizing how to solve the problem. Uh, because if I'm looking for patterns, which is what I was doing when I was looking at New York's data, there's no way I would have found it, right? But that's not what they did. What they did is they they changed the last 12 digits of about 10% of the records so that they're identical, okay? <laughs> okay. And, um, and I know what those digits are because Vico told me. So, so I can search those last 12 digits and I can pull up all those records. And so I know that, these are tagged somehow. I don't know what it means, though, because um, Hawaii doesn't give um, or provide as much information as New York and some other states do with their, their public release of the voter rolls. So I can't tell if they're purged. I can't tell if they're active. I can't tell if they voted. There's a lot of data that they just don't give. Uh, they don't even give registration dates, if I recall. Um, actually, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but but there's a bunch of data they don't give. So what you would have to do is you have to take the list of the tag records and you'd have to actually knock on their doors and talk to the people to know what they mean. Mm. Okay. Uh, so in Texas, uh, I looked at theirs, uh, Texas does something really strange with their data. And I have to admit, because I'm not a programmer, it was just too difficult for me to deal with it. Um, and what that is is they give you a new record for every single election. Okay. So if you voted 20 times, you'll have 20 records. So if you've got a phantom in there, you might have like 23 instead of the 20 you're supposed to have. I wouldn't be able to see that yeah. unless I programmatically combined all the records and then I had three left over. And I just didn't feel like going to the trouble of, of doing that. And nobody on the NYCA team wanted to do it because it's not New York. Right. Uh, so so that, that didn't go any further. But looking at the data, um, there was a pattern that was evident in the – that it was uh, – algorithmically controlled that had to do with the id numbers mm-hmm. uh, but i would need to take that other step i just described in order to go any further so the the point um, is um yes there are algorithms in other states um, the one in new jersey behaves very much like the one in new york it's, it's a totally different one but it what it does is very similar um, the one in north carolina exists but i i don't really know what it's doing there okay Um, and all of them seem to have the same date attached to them. The one in New Jersey too, 2007, middle of 2007. Hmm. Um, so they all seem
0: to have been created about the same time. Okay, go ahead. All right. Well, we are going to open the phones now, guys. We're not going to go past our two-hour cutoff, so you've got 20 minutes. That means that every single person needs to have a clear, concise, either a comment or a question for our guest, Andrew Paquette, PhD. You have proven yourself worthy of that title tonight, (laughs) sir. Very good work. Excellent. I'm really excited to continue to watch this and see where it goes, and I I, I would love to have you back, too, because there's a lot more I'd like to talk about. Um, But first of all, let me go through these thank yous over here on rumble and uh, the foxhole first of all thank you to fredo <clears throat> he said some complicated material here my concern is that it's too advanced for any new york judge <laughs> who all seem to be compromised and or retarded and for what it's worth mohap do you know what mohap means andrew i don't michelle obama has a penis so you might hear that again <laughs> all right fredo also he says just fyi If you haven't clicked a thumbs up, you obviously raped E. Jean Carroll, and you may be liable for $83 million if you deny it and call her batshit crazy. Oh, man, hopefully we're not going to find ourselves in that position. Freight Awakening says 2,678 people watching and only 407 thumbs up. That's a lot of E. Jean Carroll rapists out there surprised that loon can walk. (laughs) Oh, And then uh, Dylan Goot, 24, says, Zach, thank you for giving NYCA and Andrew an opportunity to reach more ears. Absolutely. Uh, Anna, 12061, says, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Anna. And then Fredo says, thank you, Anna, for thanking Zach. And if you don't thank Zach, you ain't black. <laughs> 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 Hold on. We got a little uh... – Okay, Uh, anyways, so the funny, the joke around here, Andrew, I don't know if you could hear that was, but uh, you ever seen CB4? No. With Chris Rock? Oh my god, there's this like, jokes, there's this, it's about this this rap group that's coming up. They have a song called I'm Black, y'all, and like, that's all they say in the whole song. But the funny thing is, because I used to live in Michigan, and I used to be inside for about 18 hours a day, I was very pale. And I moved to Florida in 2021, and I basically increased my melanin like 500% by going outside all of the time. So that that's, the joke is that I'm now black, that I live in Florida. Uh, Got it. <laughs> so let me say thank you to Stacks for the shades. Thank you to NX17. The, you're The best RP. Thank you. Candylicious says good evening. M1911Zoom, thank you for the cookie. Nikaz808, a resident of one of the states we talked about, is uh, uh, from uh, dropping some shades. Thank you for that. netfolks one thank you for the can. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. cane. thank you for the cookie. Sean Joe, thank you for dropping that bronze tier membership. An incorruptible Guardian just picked it up. Sean Joe dropped another one and then CDU Calamero picked it up. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Thank you for another bronze tier membership. And that was picked up by Val Hall. Good to see you, Val. Thank you again, Sean. Sean, Liberty Bell's picked that one up. Filter Dog One, thank you. Just Duckies, thank you. Juan Rambo, thank you. Again to Sean Joe, Just Ducky says, please don't apologize for it being complicated, Andrew. The system is overly complicated on purpose. And you, my friend, solved it. So yes, definitely. Here, yeah, here's the thing. No matter how complicated this is, it should be one of the most interesting subjects that anyone out there could be apprised of, because, I mean, obviously they have created an overly complicated system that's very difficult for people to figure out. And then at the same time, they've also dumbed down the general population. Andrew, I go back to what you were saying earlier in the show about dropping the requirements or not tracking people's grades anymore. Uh, You you look at the military and they no longer require people to have graduated from high school or to have have a a basic intelligence test to understand that they're going to be competent in what they're doing. So we need to make people dive deep into this deep material so that they can begin to understand just uh, how diabolical this whole thing is. Hey, uh, do you mind if I I say something?
1: Go ahead. One thing I wanted to say earlier that I didn't get I forgot about, please. And it has to do with data validation. Because do you know what data validation is? That's when you're buying something at Amazon.com and it says, what's your address? And you type in a zip code that doesn't exist and it says, sorry, can't process. Okay, that's data validation. It's something that tells the system whether what you've entered makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the laws uh, related to elections actually require data validation at various levels. Okay. I can tell you that almost everything I found in the voter rolls would never have happened if they had actually implemented the tools that they're supposed to implement. Sure. Because, for instance, when you have a backdated registration date, that would be caught with uh, data validation. Absolutely. If you had multiple ID numbers, that would be caught. If you had the wrong address, the wrong zip code, If you, I mean, basically, I found that there are problems with almost every single field in the entire database. Mm-hmm. Almost all of those could be eliminated completely if they
0: would just use simple data validation tools that come for free with almost every database. Okay, yeah, continue. Absolutely. So, yeah, we could have all of this stuff cleared up in a single afternoon. Uh, thank you again, just Duckies. Uh Justice Song, thank you for the cookie. Thank you to Sean Joe. Thank you to Castle Drummer. And thank you to Net Folks one We're going to bring our first caller in. Caller, you're on the air. Can you make sure the stream is muted in the background? And Can we get your name?
3: Hi, this is Montana Sky.
0: Montana Sky, welcome Hi. to the program. How are you doing?
3: Oh, I'm great. Oh, my God, what a great show. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. I have like some it. questions. I'm in New York. Oh, excellent. So okay, I well, go questions. ahead and ask. Oh, are we, are we live? Hey, you want Yeah, me we are to live. I'm
0: not sophisticated enough to have screeners, so you're on the air.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. Hi. Hi. Hi, I'm calling you from the Southern Tier, and I have a, I have a question. Um, I am aware of all the demographic shifts in the state, because I actually moved up from Westchester a number of years ago, and I'm wondering if the data, if the data manipulation—I'm just going to use that phrase—if that reflects accurately the demographic shifts, or are they just keeping the numbers? Stable in place because there's so many people moving out of state from Florida. So many people who are how do we say not not American moving yeah. in, and I'm just wondering if if uh, doc if uh, Dr. Paquette was able to like take a look at that and see if that mattered so to speak, you well, know, because yeah. of the population shift.
1: Yeah, just so you know, on that particular subject, I didn't go into it in any depth. And the reason is because Seth Keschel did, and um, he already was able to identify problematic counties where the, um, the number of Democratic voters didn't make sense because you had more Democrats leaving than Republicans coming in. And yet the voting patterns went the opposite direction. Um, so that analysis has been done, but it was done by Captain Seth Keschel.
3: Okay. Love him. Love you guys. You, you keep up the great work. We are cheering you on. Thank you so much. Hugs. Bye.
0: See you in Montana Thank you very much. Appreciate the question. You're welcome. All right. Yes, have have a great night and God bless. Okay. Let's bring in our next caller. I think this is probably uh, going to be KC. KC, is that you? Make sure you mute the stream. Hey, Hey. what's happening, Zach? Hey, buddy. Welcome, Dr. Andy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead with your question. We've got limited time tonight, so I'm sorry.
4: Yeah. First of all, so sorry that you were pushed out of academia because they have been dumbing down America. And obviously, they've got to dumb down the electorate. Uh, It's a simple axiom that perceived innocence. uh, you're, You're innocent until proven guilty if you're an individual. If you're a government and you have the power you're you're perceived guilty until proven innocent so you just got to flip it on its ear because people have the power in both situations you know as an individual and we are the government so you know just if you can't audit and have a clear transparent election they mean nothing Mm -hmm. they're all a power grab but uh i was glad to hear that you uh you would did business with uh, Chris Carter. Chris Carter from the X-Files?
1: <laughs> did business with him and then sued him. So, uh. <laughs> Okay, because I always figured he was a spook
4: uh, working with the government. And uh, like Icarus, he flew too close to the, the sun with uh, the X-Files. But also like the, the show The Following with Kevin Bacon happened back in 2016, 15 or 16. Uh, the material's getting too close and the, and the spooks didn 't want too much revealed, so I just figured uh you know that chris carter uh aspect might have might have given you some insight to look down the road and know that things are all uh, all oh, messed no. up at every and, level
1: no and doing business with him is is correctly stated, but I never met the guy i mean that was all done through lawyers at my publisher and his lawyers, so i never I never met the guy. All I know oh, is, is that okay. I got to serve him with the lawsuit on his birthday. It so happened. <laughs> anyway. Oh, there you go.
4: Don't, don't you just love the lawyers? And part of our whole system is accountability. And obviously there's no accountability in academia. They're going with emotions as opposed to intellect and logic. But, you know, it goes all the way back to Christine Blaze Ford, that whole trial with Julie Swetnick and her attorney, Michael Avinetti you know, he, he suborned perjury. She had a false affidavit against Kavanaugh and she never had any ramifications. So what do you have? What's going to happen? You know, when you got all these affidavits about election fraud and it's going to show up that, you know, nobody's going to get prosecuted because they really don't want to go down
1: that road. So when you don't okay, have well, a penalty, I'm going to, I'm going to take that as your question. Um, how are the <clears throat> courts going to treat all this data that, that have been, has been found? I'm not sure. I actually think that a big part of the the solution is to get this information out to as many normal human beings as possible so that we are aware of exactly how corrupt and how deficient our election process is. I mean, actually, even if it wasn't corrupt, if if it was just managed very badly, but so badly that it was a security problem, I think that's bad enough to call it into question and to say, let's change it and do it better, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not going to happen when the authorities who are responsible for that, that system remain responsible for it and continue to have the authority that's granted them by elected office that they may not have even won. Um, so what that means is I think the citizens have to take that authority back. And the way you do it is you just recognize, hey, wait a minute. These guys aren't doing their job. They're mm-hmm. not fulfilling their oath of office. They actually don't have the authority to command us to do things anymore. Um, and because of what they've done, because of their deficiencies, the elections aren't valid. So yeah. we do have to come up with a solution. But by the way, just to the caller, I um, I think it's a very complicated, strategic question that you're asking. And it's something that I don't really have an answer to. I just know that the normal way of, of solving this kind of a problem isn't working. Okay. Yeah. And it's not working because there are so many people uh, who aren't doing their jobs. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. It's like there was, there was something going on. Um, uh, James Woods sent out a, a meme. It was fantastic. It's like we, we shouldn't have to sue um, the government to, to follow the law. Mm-hmm. Okay? It was very funny the way he wrote it. It's not funny at all the way I'm saying it. But, sure. but, but, but it's true. We shouldn't have to do that. And that's exactly what's going on. We have a lot of people who aren't following the
0: law in government. OK, come on. absolutely. All right, Casey, thank you so much for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Uh, so, you know, to Casey's point, Andrew, unfortunately, just talking about this subject and so many of these other issues of corruption inherent in government today, people get frustrated because they think that there's no resolution. You know, what good is the information? Why are we even bothering ourselves with it if nothing's going to happen? But we can't fix a problem unless we can identify it and then begin to put the pressure on necessary to force the issue. If the elections were stolen and they just continued to be stolen and we just kept walking around with our hands thrown up in the air with really no idea as to how it was happening, uh, we wouldn't be getting very far either. And I think that we would be in the dark and it would be a much darker situation as a result.
1: Yeah, actually, on that point, I, I do agree with you. You have to have the data if you're going to do anything. Um, but you still have to have a plan forward, what you're going to do with it. Okay. And one thing that I do see, and it's very hopeful is I'm starting to see decisions go the way they should. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm starting seeing positive signs like in Georgia, um, that Dr. Hallerman, his report finally came out, his data is getting out into the public, um, There are other things like that going on all over. So it
0: looks to me like the dam is cracking anyway. I tend to agree with you. Definitely. All right. We've got Kim coming in next and then Vector will be our final caller. Kim, can you hear me? Ah, She's still joining. Okay. Uh, Kim, go ahead with your question for for Andrew.
5: Hi. Can you all hear me tonight?
0: Yes, we've got you. Loud and clear.
5: Awesome. I am so happy to hear what Dr. Paquette just said a few minutes ago about Holding these people accountable, and we need a solution. And Zach, you know how i felt over these years about what's been going on, and us not having a way to do anything. And I think I have found the solution, and that is the redress of grievances to our government. We put them on notice, like you put them on notice, like you said, Doctor. Um, make them—they did not follow the, the law on um, what they did, and you need to file a notice showing them where they had the constitutional authority to certify that election. Because it it's uncertifiable. So where did they get the authority to certify it? And when they can't prove that to you, then that holds your claim to be true. And if they don't do something about it, Zach, that's where the bonds kick in. Mm-hmm. And then that's where that's where then they, they vacate their office if they don't uphold their oath. And their oath is to protect our rights, our God given rights under that constitution, under our amendments, under our Bill of Rights. And that's what we have to do. And they have the affidavit mamas that are doing those and having much success. And Jack and Margie Flynn have been doing that for 30 years. And they have a whole constitutional course for free that walks you through it, gives you all the paperwork you need. But what we have to do is redress our grievances by putting them on notice, giving them, because we're in an immediate danger, you give them 10 days to respond. And if they can't respond to you, how they were able to certify that election according to the Constitution, then that that violates their oath and that forces them to vacate their office. They have to answer. And I think we said, like you said, I don't even think they realize this is going on. I think this is going on to where the election commissioner doesn't even know this is going on. And I think that this is going to this would give them the uh-huh. opportunity to actually do something, because then they would be forced under their oath and with their bond on the line. And this is for all of our grievances across everything. And Zach, you know me, I'm going after my state for the vaping thing. Good,
0: good. I'm glad to hear it. it. So, And a lot of people are doing this. So, and and, Andrew, I don't know if you're familiar with Bonds for the Win. I've uh, interviewed the ladies from Bonds for the Win in the past, and they've had a lot of success uh, having to do with, during the pandemic with four uh, uh, mandates and such in schools and and in local uh, uh, instances. But I mean, the people that you spoke with, Uh, I mean, it's almost like it would be the same thing as walking into the FBI and saying, hey – I saw somebody with a bomb. They said, I'm going to commit a terrorist attack, and I'm telling you so that terrorist attack uh, won't be able to happen. You'll be able to stop it. Uh, And then the FBI does nothing, and then they say, oh, well, you know, uh, we didn't trust this guy or whatever it was. I mean you've told people exactly what's happening. You've shown authorities, people in power that could do something about it. And it seems like if they haven't chosen to do something yet, I mean they're certainly in violation of their oath to uh, their office and to the people they represent.
1: Well, one thing about that I will say is that um, out of all the people I've spoken to, which is a subset of the number of people that NYCA has spoken to, uh, because Marley and some other people on the team uh, made more presentations, I I stayed fairly local. But um, I would say that of the ones I've seen, about half are actually doing something and the other half aren't. But the thing is, some some of the people who are doing something are in the same county as somebody else who isn't. And I'm not identifying which is which because I, the fact is I, I believe there are some situations uh, either possible or actual where we might have a sheriff investigating something that the DA has decided not to look into. Mm-hmm. Or we've got a county commissioner looking into something that the DA is interested in, but the sheriff is ignoring. Mm-hmm. Um, or we've got one commissioner who's looking and the other commissioner isn't because every board of elections has a, re- a Republican and a Democrat commissioner. So um, – I, I I'm waiting for the very entertaining moment when these people discover each other. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um
1: but you know, one thing I want to mention too, Nikki Haley gave me gave me some hope the other night in New Hampshire. And I, actually at some point I want to be able to plug my uh Substack with this, but I, I did an article on it. And the interesting thing about the New Hampshire results is that Nikki Haley effectively gave us a simulation of how much fraud. Donald Trump can handle because she represented her votes in the Republican primary represented 33% approximately of the total. Mm-hmm. Now, normally you can't uh, commit more fraud than you have non-voting voters who are registered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that tops out at around 20 to 25% of your registered voters list in most states. But Trump won with an 11 point lead with 33% of those votes essentially fraudulent because mm. she's not, people aren't voting for her. They're really voting for Biden. Okay? Right, right. Um, And I was thinking, you know what, that's actually a really positive sign, because that means Trump has so much support that these guys would have to actually go over the number of registered voters in order to hand a victory over to their other candidate. I agree. They'd have to go over by so much, it would be really, really obvious. I wasn't sure that was possible, but after the New Hampshire primary, I think it is. And I also believe that might be part of the reason why uh, Donald Trump just recently tweeted, No, we're going to go through all the primaries. Don't just give me the uh, nomination. He wants to show how powerful he is.
0: Yeah, no, I, go. I completely agree. And that's an excellent point. Plus, if RFK is going to be running at the national level, you've also got a lot of votes that would otherwise be going to Biden that are going to get siphoned off. And it's going to make it even more difficult for them to inject enough votes into the system to cheat. But no, I've, I've made that point uh, fairly recently. And I, I'm, I'm glad that somebody else thinks it because I I I, I, t- I totally believe that's what's going to happen. All right, Kim, thank you very much. And we've got oh our final caller, hung up so vector i guess uh thank you anyways and (laughs) appreciate you being here final thank yous over here uh let's see uh kim kim lakin 919 says i'm in new hampshire and i worked with 300 volunteers after the 2020 steal and we found two algorithms in our state we had a forensic auditor working with us also never got anywhere and the media turned us away well, that's uh, disheartening, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to see that you guys put the work in, but don't allow that to stop you from continuing to try to bring some justice to your area. Uh, WTBY Free says, didn't Dr. Frank figure out something with the algorithms? Just tune in. So if you already talked about it, sorry. So Dr. Frank okay. identified an algorithm, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I want to answer that. One of the first things that I did with the research team was we did a dr. Frank replication mm-hmm. um, and I want you to know right away the algorithm he 's talking about is absolutely completely different from what i 'm talking about right okay uh, i 'm talking about an algorithm that was used to assign ID numbers he 's talking about an algorithm that he can infer based on the um, the age of voters and the the turnout at uh, at various precincts and counties yes okay. Um, so what he did was he created, and we were able to replicate, by the way, in New York, um, a way to predict how many people in each age group. So, and by age group, I don't mean 17 through 19, I mean 17, 18, and 19. Okay. Okay. So each one of those would have a predictable turnout within a very, very narrow range, uh, margin of error. So, um, in most cases it was correct by, I'd say like 98 point five percent or so sometimes ninety nine point six which is a very high accuracy rate for a prediction sure um but it is different and the thing about what he found versus what i found is what he found suggests a, a level of control in the elections that shouldn't be there but it's not proof of it okay mm-hmm. the algorithm i f- found is something that actually exists mm-hmm. okay I'm not inferring something from it. It's there, okay? Right. It's like finding a shoe in your bed. You can't. It, it really is there. Uh, whereas in his case, it's like he found a lump in your bed that could be a shoe underneath the covers, but you have to you have to open the covers to see it. Um, but it could also be a, a cat or something else, right? So um, Schrodinger's. So that's, cat. <laughs> So that's the difference. What the, the algorithm, the voter um, ID number algorithm is essentially the equivalent of a smoking gun or hard evidence. Sure. Uh, whereas what he found is inferential. OK, go
0: okay. on. So uh, clearly a cryptographic genius put this together and implemented it. And the only way that it would show up is if somebody was aware of it, and it was being used. I mean, uh, if you had to put this into a, a, a probability, I mean, what's the probability something like this could just happen naturally? Probably not much.
1: It'd be zero. zero? Okay. It, there's just no. There, there's no chance. There, there. It is so deliberate. It, yeah. This thing. I, I hate to say it this way because I don't want to be spending my time doing this. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to be out taking photos or making paintings or drawing comic books. Um. But I have actually come to really appreciate the elegant beauty of this algorithm. Uh. Just on a mathematical basis, this thing is gorgeous. I I, I really admire the work that went into it even if I don't admire the motives. And by the way, I don't even know what the motives are. I'm imputing what I think the motives are based on what its apparent functionality is. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it really is very beautifully organized. This thing is so rock solid, stable. The the concept of this being by chance is just ridiculous. That would be like saying the empire state building was created by chance or even that we are all the product of natural selection. And, uh, uh, um uh, I, I forgot what the origin of species uh, called it um it's not just natural selection evolution ah evolution, there we go, yeah. thank you. I don't know why that word didn't come to mind, but... It's okay.
0: It happens. <laughs> I mean, the idea
1: that these complicated bioorganisms just happened by chance is ridiculous to me, but go on.
0: No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think the audience agrees as well. All right, I uh, just want to say uh, thank you again for coming here tonight, and especially on such short notice. I really would like to have you back. If there's anything else that you want to present to the audience at any time in the future, you have an open invitation. You know how to get a, how to get a hold of me. Uh, I would also like to ask that you tell everyone where they can find your work, opportunity to plug your substack and as a final question Andrew uh, I w- always like to ask my guests what would you most like for the audience to take away from our conversation tonight um i would say that we have enough problems
1: that are worthy of investigation in New York's voter rolls that number one it is fair to insist on investigation of officials and secondly it is also fair to derive the impression that the uh, the records are mismanaged so badly that no election can be legally certified until they're fixed, mm-hmm. okay? Um, now, this is my opinion based on my beliefs, based on the evidence I've seen, okay? So those are all my caveats. But I think it is completely fair to to listen to this stuff and to come away with the impression that, you know what, um, we're not being told the whole story, and a lot of it is being intentionally uh, concealed from us, and... What we have is a serious security vulnerability in our elections. Actually, take that away. We have very serious security vulnerabilities. Okay. As for my Substack, it's the Zark Files, so it's Z-A-R-K-F-I-L-E-S, kind of like X Files, except Zark Files, mm-hmm. and it's zarkfiles.substack.com. And if you want to look at my artwork, you can go to packart.com, which is p-a-q-a-r-t.com. And if you want to see my photos, it's similar. It's packphoto, P-A-Q-P-H-O-T-O.com. Um, but the Zark Files is the main place to go for the kind of stuff we're talking about tonight. Um, and I'd appreciate it if you sign up. I could always use more, um, uh, more readers. Thank
0: you. Yeah, absolutely. And just for anybody who didn't get the chance to write that down, uh, Andrew's Twitter and his Substack are both linked in the description of this video. So if you didn't get it tonight, you can go later on. And then just as a final note, guys, I want to remind you about the final sponsors of tonight's program. First of all, my friends at onenessdrops.com, where you can pick up your chlorine dioxide water purification kits, make clean potable water from any source of water, whether it's from the rain, whether it's it's from a stream or a pond, uh, or even if uh, for some unforeseen circumstance, we're unable to get clean, fresh water from the taps in your home. You can use chlorine dioxide to fix that. You can use the code RP78 to save 15% off your order every single time you order. Definitely need to have this in stock in your go bag, in your car, in your medicine cabinet, wherever you might be. Also, you can go to mypillow.com and use code RP78 to save up to 80% off all of Mike Lindell's incredible products. Mike Lindell obviously also working to secure the elections here in the United States in a number of different ways, whether it's the mypillow mattress topper or the mypillow 2.0 or the uh, bathrobes or the the slippers, whatever it might be. Use code RP78 to save the most money on everything. And then finally, my patriot supply head on over to prepare with redpill78.com. Right now, you can get $200 off a three-month supply of emergency food. Uh, These are meals that will last you 25 years, uh, and they have over 2,000 calories per day. It's breakfast, lunches, and dinner. Obviously, if you can't get fresh water, you might not be able to be getting fresh food, so you want to go ahead and have something on hand so you can feed yourself and your family. And uh, with that, I will say final thank you to Mighty Patriot, uh, who dropped a phone over there on the foxhole. Sean Joe says, another great show. Zach always gets guests with important. And relevant information. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, and then also, uh, Fredo says, "I agree with Roger Stone. They will run Big Mike, and we need to get in front of that. Mohap is the key to defusing the farce. Load your meme cannon, soldiers. Thank you for your extensive research, Andrew. And then finally, Fredo also says, Andrew is a good man and a patriot. So is Zach. Support these men. Mohap. <laughs> Mohap indeed." <laughs> okay. I keep saying we need a a T-shirt that just says MoHap, because if you know, then you know. But otherwise, uh, uh, people might see it and then think it's something else. But either way, Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, You guys at home, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. I'm going to go ahead and pass out these gold pills. And then I will see you guys Monday here for another episode of Red Pill News Live at 5 p.m. Eastern. And until that time, good luck and God bless.